Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. And welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Still Curtain Podcast. I'm your host, Tommy Jagai, editor of Still Curtain. Joining me, as always, is co-host Shane Kubis, contributor for Still Curtain. We're going to talk a little Steelers OTAs to start the show off today. Uh, we're, we're entering that slow time of year, Shane, where just not as much going on in football right now for the first time and it seems like his tenure so far omar khan has been relatively quiet in terms of roster moves now steelers did round out the roster uh we'll talk about that briefly here uh we're going to talk about uh the running back situation on today's show so stick with us for that uh we'll make our predictions for all the steelers running backs this year and we're also going to list our five make or break season candidates uh, for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And there's some guys who really got to step up this year if they want to continue with their role uh, in, in their starting position beyond the 2023 season. So let's start things off, Shane, today. Uh, talking about the Steelers roster real quick. Uh, made a couple moves. They're, they're finally there. They're, we we wondered for a while now, like, all right, when when is uh, Omar Khan going to round this roster out? Um, they made a move to to get Malik uh, Golden, or sorry, uh, Marcus Golden yep, last yeah. week, excuse me. I've got Malik Reed on the mind and I don't know why. <laughs> well, it's because uh, you're you tired of having to talk about him. So we're glad that, we that's why to... I think we've talked about him far too much, far, yeah, far more yeah. than we should have. <laughs> so... Uh, Stewart's made a move to get Marcus Golden. We both like that uh, depth addition to their team. Uh, sure. Now yeah. they make the final moves to round out the roster. Uh, they signed Jared Williams, who was a former uh, Eagles guy, briefly offensive tackle. And again, he fits that mold, Shane, as that big long-armed offensive tackle type that it seems like Andy Weidel kind of brought with him to Pittsburgh yeah it seems like that's their type now and I think that's the right method for a lot of teams just in general looking for length at offensive tackle generally works out if you just look at the numbers over the course of you know time so don't you know mind that at all obviously this is a player who you don't expect to do anything is any kind of a late addition but mm -hmm. that type I expect to see them over the next couple of years gravitate more and more towards those types of players yeah, and these bottom of the roster moves, I, I I know a lot of fans they get excited about them just because it's something happening this <laughs> yeah, time of year. Yeah, exactly. Uh, very very little chance that any of these guys we're seeing shuffling at, on the bottom of this ninety man roster actually stick around. There is one guy we're going to talk about in this running back room coming up here, and because we'll see because that that becomes a mystery running back three, and so yeah. I want to talk about that here in a second. Let's talk about Steelers OTAs for a minute, Shane. I. Uh, Obviously, you and I aren't there, but we, we are getting some information from Twitter, some from YouTube. People are posting videos, that kind yeah. of stuff. Has anything stood out from you uh, in this last final wave of OTAs here? OTAs are going to wrap up as we record the show uh, tomorrow, last day of OTAs in the third session. Anything you see? I mean, not in particular. It's really tough with OTAs, like you said, because I, I know that Broderick Jones got some first team reps. That's notable for sure. Um, that's something that you expect to happen, though, in an OTA setting where you don't have a ton of tackles on the roster, so you're going to sub some of those guys in, especially a first-round pick like Jones. So we'll see if that extends into training camp or not because I feel like that's going to be where you wonder, okay, is he actually going to get a legit sh shot to start the season yeah. off as the starter? 
I still feel like there's a chance that as long as Dan Moore looks good and looks improved, which he has so far, I would say, he might stick on to that job just to start the season. And then it becomes a conversation about who comes off the field. Is it Moore Jr. or do we see uh, a core of four come off the field for Moore moving our attack? Like that's something I think could get interesting too. But and so as far as OTA is not a whole lot that you can glean from mm-hmm. anything. Yeah, I'm interested to see, Shane, if the Steelers coaching staff in, in Pat Meyer actually allows that to be a real competition right. there, or if they're kind of just gonna say, All right, more you're the swing guy, you're gonna you're gonna play both spots. Um, the only other thing that I would say is like last year we or um excuse me, last week we it went from like the, the Corey Trice hype, yeah. uh Mark Robinson <laughs> getting that pick, and now we're kind of shifting to a few other uh young players. Tanner Muse got an interception in practice, according yep. to, to Nick Farabaugh, and he also believes that uh Nick Herbig is looking well. And so again, can't take too much from this. It's it's practice in shells and shorts. Yeah. So take it for what it is. Um, the real test, I think, for all these guys is gonna come, not even in, in mandatory minicamp, but at Steelers training camp. And then then we'll get a a real look at them in pads going against uh the opposing players. And so interested to see how things shape out here, but always encouraging at least to hear some positive things about the young guys. Yeah, for sure. All right, Shane, let's take a look at the Steelers running back situation. We're going to do a little bit of a dive into this, if you will. Uh, last year, Steelers kept three running backs in their roster. It was Najee Harris, uh, Jalen Warren, and uh, Benny Snell Jr. And so right. Snell kind of got that demotion last year, became the running back three. In the past, he was the running back two. Played almost primarily special teams, only had 20 carries. Last season, Jalen Warren, the guy that was widely unknown entering training camp ultimately not only made the roster, but uh, carved out a significant role. So yeah, let's start and we'll take this one chunk at a time here. Shane, first question, who do you think makes the roster at the running back position for the Steelers? Let's exclude fullback from this conversation. Mm -hmm. Now let's just talk about uh, the running backs. So it's not going to be those same three barring the chance that Benny Snell comes back. And now that the Steelers have filled their 90 man roster out, that doesn't look like a possibility. Yeah. Uh, that would have been done by this point. I believe he would have now said, yeah. who, who would, who do you think is going to, we, we know the first two guys, obviously are going to be Najee and Jalen Warren. Who do you think is going to round out the position? I mean, if you're just playing the averages, you, you kind of start with Anthony McFarland. He has the most experience. He's He's been in the league the longest of these guys. Um, he's a guy that we've liked to see hopefully make the roster in the past, and unfortunately this hasn't happened. I think this is as clear as path he's gotten since he made the roster initially as a rookie. Um, I do wonder – the problem is, again, I don't know if he's going to play special teams the way that they obviously would like the third running back to play. I don't think he's going to mm-hmm. be a kick returner or punt returner for them. They have guys who can do that. So the special teams value might be lacking there. We'll see if he can actually carve out that role. Uh, Jason Huntley has has a little bit of time in the league, with most notably Philly. I think he was on the roster for a little bit, or at least on the practice squad with them. And then you have Graham yeah. Alfonso, who, again, we don't know much about as an undrafted rookie. And then the recent signing, Darius Hagens, who's a fun athlete from everything that we can see. But again, these are undrafted for agents. You know, Jalen Warren at least had big time college football experience. He was brought in as a guy you thought could actually make the roster re- reasonably and then had a good season with us this year. I, I, I'm going to lean McFarland at this point, just because again, he's the most experienced, but mm-hmm. it's kind of a jumbled mess besides those guys who have some experience with us in the past couple of years. Yeah. And we know my prediction's wrong already. I said <laughs> it yeah, in, our, in the, uh, yeah. as soon as the, the, uh, schedule came out and I, I made my prediction of the Steelers roster. I had master Teague on there and yes. I think a lot of other people did as well, just because you're yeah, looking yeah. at, all right, Benny Snell's not under contract anymore. Mm-hmm. Master Teague is this big physical chiseled guy who runs fast 
And we said, maybe this guy could play special teams and fill that role, be maybe right. more athletic type for Benny Snell. Uh, he's no longer with the team. And so it's like, all right, are the Steelers looking for a special teams guy? And if that's the case, it's not going to be Anthony McFarlane, even, even no, though he, you would think, think so. you had the fast track as being the former fourth round pick from 2020, but he's a guy that if he does play special teams, he's probably one of your kick returners and that's, he's not going to yeah. do a lot else. Yeah. So it, it, by what I'm thinking, Shane is knowing that McFarlane has already kind of been on the outs with the team. I'm not sure how much of a better chance he has than these other guys. Like I, the Steelers might be viewing it as kind of like this clean slate thing Maybe. where yeah. truly a true competition, kind of like they did with Warren, obviously who, who was heads and shoulders above uh, the rest of the backups last year in training camp. Um, if that were to be the case, I'll be really interested to see how this thing uh, plays out here. But one thing that's interesting to note, when you're looking at this running back three competition here, you don't have another guy that's like Najee in terms of yeah. that big bodied running back. And that's why I thought the Steelers would roll with master Teague in my early roster prediction. Yeah. Uh, they don't even have a, a body type that even remotely resembles that at all. Right near if you, if you look at the Steelers website, they have Anthony McFarlane listed at five, eight, one ninety three, uh, Jason Huntley, five, nine, one, one ninety five. Uh, Alfonso Graham, who's not really a true running no, back, like we said, is, nah, he's, he, he's going to do like probably the return specialist stuff and, and, and kind of just be around for camp five, nine, one eighty. Uh, and then Darius Haggins, the best of the group at six foot two ten, according to the Steelers website. I don't know if that necessarily gives him a leg up, but I think it's going to help. I, I this is a position, Shane, I wouldn't be surprised to see the Steelers kind of swap names here like part ways through you training can camp. Be like, these, that, yeah yeah these guys aren't aren't meeting the mark or whatever and and they go out and make a change of the position maybe bring in uh, a veteran or a bigger bodied player because if if Najee were to get injured obviously the plan is to, to turn to Jalen Warren but right. there's already questions about whether or not Jalen Warren would be able to handle a full workload yeah. now you pair him with one of these 190 pound running backs I think I, I feel like Shane that they're going to want someone bigger in there uh, as an insurance policy, as a handcuff right now, though, just going off what we know, I would probably have to agree with you. And maybe this is the year that, that McFarland finally gets to stay on the roster and finally gets to carve out a role because he's had very little usage in the past. I do like his speed and explosion. I mean, we saw him average 5.7 yards of carry in the preseason last year, which is impressive, uh, but didn't get those looks in the regular season uh, as they chose to go again with the guy that plays special teams. And so maybe that'll be the question too, Shane is which one of these guys will play special teams. If I'm making my prediction just right now, though, I, I will go ahead and, and throw McFarland in there as my third running back, just because yeah. of lack of competition, if anything else. Yeah. And I think what's going to have to happen is we're going to have to see if one of these other guys other than him can actually play a legit special teams role. And really, we don't really know that right now. I think as camp we get into camp, like if none of these guys prove that they can be an asset on special teams, that's when it, you mm -hmm. start to wonder if they are going to try to look for someone who gets cut or you know add someone else that they think can play special teams to be that third back. So we'll see. Save big on brunch for mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for one twenty nine each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for two forty nine a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.
are you opposed to bringing Benny Snell back on a veteran minimum? Deal? If it's if he's going to be the special teamer and not get touches, I'm always okay with Benny Snell when he's not getting offensive touches. He's a really good special teamer. I have no problems with him from that regard. I just hated when he got mm. touches. I don't think he'd have to realistically very often in the situation. So yeah. I, I can live with that for sure. Well, and in the event of an injury, I think in that case, if the Steelers wanted to kind of do the same thing and promote McFarland and have him be the guy that then Actually backs touches, up Jalen yeah. Warren or, or whatever running back doesn't get injured, uh, I don't want him to get touching the ball either. I mean, we've, no. we've seen enough of that, and he's yeah. just not good at it. He's just not fast or explosive, and so mm-hmm. uh, not, a, not a lot of reason to, to give him the touches on offense at this point. Um, how is the workload going to be divided? That's our next question here, and I think it's it's one that – Warrants a lot of consideration. I know that everybody's thinking, all right, Stewart's got this revamped offensive line. You got Broderick Jones, Isaac Siamalu, Najee Harris is just going to pound the rock 350 times and it's going to be their, their lead guy. I don't know that it's going to work out like that, Shane, and I'm not convinced uh, that Najee is going to even get more touches than he did last year. As much as Stewart's want to run the football, I just have been really impressed with what I saw as, from Jalen Warren as a rookie, and I kind of feel like he's going to be one of those guys, and I, I think I've said this on one of the past episodes, where he's just so efficient in what he does and he's just going to he's going to punch out 5 yards a carry and and 8 yards a reception in the passing game that the Steelers aren't going to want to take him off the field that option. So, let's talk percentage numbers here Shane for a second. If you were to divide this workload out of 100 percentile and, and you're looking at these two running backs, Najee Harris and Jalen Warren, what would be your ideal split first of all and what do you think the Steelers are going to do? So to give you an idea, so last year there's about between all of the running back touches, there's about 375 carries. And looking at this, mm-hmm. you're looking at about 75, 80 targets. Or sorry, not targets, receptions between okay. all the running backs, right? So you're looking at about 450 probably total touches between all the running backs, maybe a little bit more, maybe a little less. I think Najee's going to get at least 70% of those touches still, it, realistically. Mm-hmm. like That's, I think, the goal, and I think it should be the goal. Because I think Warren, the nice thing about him, and, and why I think that for our next question about who's going to be efficient, we'll talk about that, his efficiency is going to be affected if he gets more touches. I really think so. I think part of the reason why he's so efficient is because he's so different than Najee as a runner. He does have a little bit more burst initially. He has more quickness, mm-hmm. I would say, in the hole especially. You get him in a situation where he doesn't have to touch the ball very often, but defenses have to be prepared for Najee running down their throat. Then you pop Warren in there, let him get some of those you know softer t- targets, basically, because these guys are going to be dealing with 240 pound running back. Then all of a sudden, uh, excuse me, all of a sudden you get a five nine, you know, 210 pound guy or however much he weighs right now, maybe more now because I know he put on a, mm-hmm. a lot of muscle this offseason. But yeah. you know, you have to deal with that then now too. So I think the distribution should be about 70ish percent Najee, and then the rest mostly go to Warren. You get a couple touches from you know whoever ends up being third back, but it's really about those two. They're going to be the primary touchers of the football, obviously. Yeah, for sure. And I think that that third guy, again, is probably just going to be a special teamer guy. And that's where it's really interesting when it comes to, again, going back to McFarland, he just hasn't done that historically. So if they want to keep that guy as a special teamer, I don't know if that guy's on the roster or maybe we'll have to see how it plays out in training camp and see what uh, those those running backs can do in that area. But it is going to be a split between those two guys. And Shane, if it was me, and I know that this would, it probably will raise a little bit of controversy. Uh, I would go closer almost to a 60, 40 split Najee 60 and Jalen Warren 40. And I just think that you're keeping Najee fresher is going to be better for him. Ultimately, instead of ha- giving them these, these games where he's carrying the ball 28, 32 times, 
ease that workload, make him fresh by the end of the season. I think that's going to increase his, his efficiency because again, I, I, I hate to pull up the past year. I want to look at his numbers here for a second. Cause I, I, I broke all these down before uh, these are based on all the advanced analytics from football outsiders, road world under round. Uh, it, so in terms of yards above a replacement, Najee, Najee or was Najee, excuse me. Najee was 38th in the NFL last year. Uh, adjusted yards above replacement, 34th. True yards per carry, 65th. Yards per touch, 56th. DVOA, 34th. Breakaway run rate, 44th. Yards per touch, 44th. Yards per reception, 46th. Run success rate, 36th. These are not the numbers that you would expect from a former first-round running back. And so if easing his workload a bit makes him fresher and more explosive per play, then I'm all for that. Now, obviously, I, I expect this to take a jump. I'm not trying to be hard on Najee. I think he will take a jump forward uh, in year three. Typically, we see that jump come in year two, and we actually saw his efficiency numbers backslide last year. E even if his raw numbers, you look at yards per carry, he only averaged 3.8 yards per carry and 5.6 yards per reception, which is very low compared to running backs. Not where you want it. Uh, with the revamped offensive line, adding player like Darnell Washington, I think that these numbers could take a jump forward. But the thing is, Shane, we we have to remember is, these numbers were already good from Jalen Warren last year in a much more limited role. But I mean, he was sixth in the NFL in yards per touch. He was eighth in DVOA. He was ninth in breakaway run rate. And so these are substantially better in terms of efficiency than what we saw from Najee. So I think a balance of having the two together would be good for them. And like we said, Najee can do things that Warren can't do and vice versa. I think that that Warren obviously is better at getting to the outside and, and, and getting to the sideline and, and making bigger chunk plays in that regard. And he's, he's a little bit burstier. Whereas Najee, he's, he can make guys miss and he's good between the tackles. And so you want them to feed off of each other. You want to use them in the right situations. Um, and I think that their efficiency is going to climb this year for both of them, but it's just a matter of that split. If it was up to me, Shane, I'd probably go 60, 40. What I think the Steelers are going to do, it's probably going to be more like a 70 plus to 30 minus split. If I had to guess yeah, right that's now, what my guess is they're going to, yeah, yeah, they're, they're going to want Najee to be that guy. And I understand that. And so we'll, we'll definitely be interested to see uh, if he can do that this year. Um, so that brings us to our next question. Shane is who do you think is going to be the more efficient runner of the two in 2023? I mean, realistically between the sample size differences we're going to see and just the fact of how they play, I do expect it to be worn again. I think it's going to be a little bit closer in terms of yeah. raw yards per carry, but I think that warning and just he's going to have more opportunities, I think to rip off big runs because of a combination of one sample size his play style and the fact that again, teams are going to be getting worn down by Najee Harris during the game. And they're going to not be ready. One of these times for his speed, right? Cause again, it seemed like last mm -hmm. year and, and he's saying at least, and he looks a little bit that way from what I've seen, he's going to have even a little bit more burst this year. Teams were surprised by him. I think a lot of last year. And part of that is being an undrafted free agent, you know, not sure what to expect from a guy like that, but guys just kind of missed tackles on him because they had bad angles. They just weren't expecting, you know, a guy like him to be able to run past them. And I think we'll see more of that this year still too. You know, replicating 4.9 yards per carry is never easy for any non-elite running back, but I still think it's going to be in that mid 4.5 or so, you know, higher than that. I think Najee will get closer to that too, but with the amount of carries he's going to get goal line work, I think that number just isn't going to have a good chance of surpassing Warren. So. Yeah, and I got to apologize here because this is a little bit of a leading question. I mean, typically in most cases, the backup running back is going to be more efficient play to play because he's coming in, he's fresher, 
Uh, it's all about the situation. And so uh, it's going to be Jalen Warren in terms of efficiency, and it's going to be Najee in terms of, of raw numbers this year yes. again. And so it, it wouldn't surprise me at all. In fact, I expect Najee to have his third straight thousand rushing yard season. Yeah. Uh, but I think it is important to remember, though, that that context is important. And so it's it's about how you get to those numbers. Like if the Steelers are rushing and they're rushing the ball efficiently as a team, that's what's most important. So if Najee's doing a lot of the, the dirty work at the goal line or in third down situations and it's hurting his yards per carry and it's, it's hurting some of his efficiency numbers, if it equals out in the in the long run that the Steelers are one of the best rushing teams in the league and their offense is benefiting from it, then I'm all for that as well. I think the biggest issue the Steelers running game is going to have is going to be very similar to what it has been for years now, Shane, and that's the explosive play rate. These running backs just don't hit explosive plays very often. And this was the same case for Le'Veon Bell. So you can still be a great player and not have a high explosive uh, run rate. But because we don't have any running backs with that breakout speed that are going to touch the ball a lot, obviously, you're just not going to get a lot of those 15, 20, 25 yard runs from the Steelers. They're always going to end up a little bit short of that. And so uh, that hurts their explosion a little bit. And that typically there is a correlation between the explosive running back plays and how successful a team's offense is. And that the rush specifically the rushing offense, we'd like to see that number go up. Maybe it will with, with Siamalu and, and Broderick Jones kind of creating some more holes on that offensive line this year. Yeah. Um, and if it yeah. does, and that's great either way, Shane, the Steelers still were a strong rushing team over the second second half of the 2022 season. So I would at least expect pretty similar production uh, and efficiency as what we saw in the back half of last year, wouldn't you think? You assume so. Like I said, it's really hard to assume they won't be better, especially than they were in the first half. And I know mm -hmm. that you know when you did your interview with Najee, he, he said he wasn't you know having any injuries last year or anything like that. But let's be real. He did not yeah. look like the same player for the first half. Like he did not he have. He had even less burst than he already kind of naturally has. He had less of the movement skills, and it was noticeable. And you know, he got healthier down the stretch. It seemed like the line got together. They were really consistent throughout the year in terms of health. Obviously, we had very little you know, issues there, so that helps a lot too. You got continuity down the stretch, and there's going to be an element of trying to figure that out as the season gets started because there's so many new pieces. But those new pieces are more talented, so you assume it's still going to be better. And if they can get off to a better start, I think you can keep that, that that train going into the rest of the season instead of it needing to have to come in the back half where they kind of made that run at the end of the year. Yeah, I agree with that as well. And and I mean, there's definitely reason to be optimistic about the Steelers yes. rushing attack this year based Absolutely. on what we saw down the stretch. They've now have the investments. They've got the investments on the offensive line now, what they did in free agency in the draft over the past two years uh, and at running back as well. And even though Jalen Warren wasn't an investment, He's a quality running back too for a team. And so Absolutely. I'll definitely be interested to see how this plays out uh, for the Steelers this year. And that, again, that big question is going to come down to who's going to be running back three. I think that one won't be answered until late in the summer. Um, unless yeah. somebody emerges as a front front runner, kind of like Warren did last year, just out of nowhere. So uh, keep an eye on those young running backs um, in training camp this year. All right. If you were a fan of the Pittsburgh Steelers and you'd like to support the still curtain podcast, please consider subscribing to the Silk Curtain Podcast on YouTube. We appreciate all your support. All right, if you are joining us live and you have a question for us, please drop it yes, in the chat. We would do. love to be yeah. able to answer those for you. Absolutely. Uh, excuse me. All right, Shane, let's talk about our Steelers entering a make-or-break season in 2023. I listed five of them. We're going to go each one at a time here um, and discuss why this upcoming season is so important. So let's kick things right off 
with the elephant in the room, that's Deontay Johnson. There's still a lot of controversy over Deontay Johnson, the quality of player that he is. Some fans can't stand him. Some fans really like him still and think that he just had a little bit of a backslide last year. What are your overall thoughts of Deontay from the 2022 season? And do you think that he is going to kind of recover in this, uh, in his what, fifth year in, in 2023? So right off the bat with the 2022 season, right? So clearly the, there's two major issues with his 2022 season. One is he could not score the football at all and neither could the passing offense really. And he's a big part of why. And the other problem is again, he just did not have the same level of production that we've expected from him even though his production has been pretty hard just forced he's got a lot of targets over the past three years it just wasn't the same right he wasn't getting open it seemed like quite as much the offense wasn't as smooth you know the transition to quarterbacks is definitely a big reason for that I think and I think he just never got super comfortable with either quarterback I I think you saw some things there was some games right where it's like okay they're they're almost there but he's never seemed to really click 100% I think the whole passing offense you can say that about a lot of that Mm -hmm. is Again, having a rookie quarterback, having new receivers, having that candidate coordinator offense is not, you know, really great for that either. And I think that the main reason why, if you have optimism for him for this year, is you do have a full year of Kenny Pickett. He's going to be the guy from the get-go that can get a rhythm going, hopefully. They can build some of that chemistry that made him so effective when Ben was still the quarterback, where, you know, maybe he wasn't getting a lot of explosive plays, but they were feeding him, they are getting him the ball in, in short spaces, letting him run after catch. That needs to happen more this year. But the, also the reason why you might not have much optimism is he's still playing in Matt Canada's offense. He's probably going to be asked to do a lot of the same mm-hmm. things. And it's just about not so much is he going to do anything different. It's going to be are those plays more successful this year? Can you hit more of those? Can you get some of the more explosive plays out of them? And one thing that I need to say, and we've all, we all know it, he has to learn that running forward is almost mm-hmm. always better <laughs> than running backward. Honestly, if he just fixes that, yep. he might add two yards per catch to his, to his total this year. Like That might be all he has to do. So it, it's tough. It's tough. I, I knew that was coming, Shane. Yeah. And, and, and that, again, that's the big one because is, this yeah. is a guy early in his career and, and even coming out of college where we're yeah. like, he can really move after the catch. Like he's got that wiggle. He's super elusive. I thought that was one of one of his best traits early on. Yeah. And last year he was just so bad at it. Mm-hmm. Like he took a major step backwards. And I, I mean, he was getting criticized and rightfully so because there were too many times where he was going backward after the catch or not creating enough afterwards. Now, some of this obviously has to do with Matt Canada's offense, not uh, the plays are mostly designed to go to the outside. And there's not a lot of space afterwards when you're not doing a lot of slants, drags, posts, uh, that kind of stuff is, is designed to help you out. And the Steelers were, were pretty much void of that, but on the opportunities that Johnson did get, the results were just not there at all. Now, based on his career so far, like maybe this is going to be another up year because it's been a roller coaster, like up, down, up, down. And so like last year, 147 targets. This is the third straight season that he's had at least 144. So that's near the top of the league every year, whether it's deserving or not in only 882 yards on 147 targets. So, and, and I give you a little perspective here, Shane, in 2019, James Washington, who is not on an NFL, I mean, has a hard time making an NFL roster these past several years and obviously wasn't worth the second round pick. He had over 720 yards on 80 targets in 2019. And so that's almost half the usage with Mason Rudolph and Devlin Hodges at quarterback. And he almost had the same yardage output and more touchdowns than Deontay did this year on 147 targets. 
So that just shows how inefficient he was. Now, again, he's got Johnson's got a tough role. He's the X receiver. He's going against man coverage. He's beating press. So he is good. And, and the, the, the advanced analytics show that he is still good at separating. That's not yes. an issue in his game. That's always, he's always been good at that. Where he took a step back is his consistency at the catch point mm-hmm. and his yards after the catch stuff it really, really hurt. And so this past year, he saw his lowest catch rate in his career so far. He saw his lowest yards per uh, reception number at 10.3. He saw his lowest yards per target number. His yards per target, Shane, were just abysmal. The worst, yeah. I, I think they were the worst among all starting receivers in the NFL last year, you're talking about six yards, a target. That's like just dumping the ball behind the line of scrimmage to a running back and asking Pretty him much, yeah. to, to get yards with it. And so that number has to go up. If it's not going to go up early in the season, they need to find somebody else to pass the ball to. And, and, and I almost, I'm getting to the point, Shane, where I was getting so frustrated. I want to say, I don't care how much Johnson gets open anymore. If the results aren't good, throwing him the football, then we need to try something else because you know who the results were really good throwing the football to George Pickens and Pat Fryermuth. So maybe these guys should get maybe a bigger bite of the apple this year. And Johnson should take a little bit step back. Maybe he's not a guy that's deserving of 140 plus targets every season. And so that's what we need to find out as Steelers fans this year. Johnson signed a big contract last off season, two years over $36 million. We're looking at it like this, Shane, where next year, if, if let, let's say that Johnson levels off now in year five he's leveled off this is the player he is we see a very similar season to the one that we saw in 2022 what do you do with this guy because going into the 2024 offseason you can save 8.75 million dollars by getting out of his contract you could potentially trade him away and pay some of that money and trade him away to another again a team desperate like the bears to, to to get a wide receiver what do you do with him? If you're going to, are we going to uh, give him the, the 15 plus million dollar uh, cap number that he's due next year? Are you comfortable with doing that? If he has another season, like he did last year, another season, like he did last year. No. And it's mostly because at that point, like even if it's still just the offense, even if it's mostly the offense, right. You're just not getting the value out of a receiver with his skill set in this mm-hmm. offense, right? And obviously, you hope that after this year, if it's still that bad, it's going to mean that Matt Canada is gone, right? But at the same time, just because he's gone, you don't know that you're, he's going to suddenly become the player he was a couple years ago, production wise. So it's going to be really tough to hang on to him at that price point. I think it would have to be a combination of either them going to Deontay saying, "Listen, you haven't you haven't produced, you haven't been productive. You can blame it on whatever you want to blame it on, but you're just not producing right now." You got to take a pay cut or restructure a contract or try to make it work with us where your value is at your price point or you're going to be gone. And whether that's, you know, cutting them, whether that's trading them, I think you could get a at least a mid round pick from a team that if they're looking at the underlying numbers, seeing him get open a lot, seeing that maybe they think they can make him work in their offense better than we can. You could probably get something for him. I mean, Chase Claypool wasn't exactly lighting it up before we traded him the Bears. <laughs> so, like, I think that that would be the best avenue is to just offload his contract via trade, get an asset back stuff like that. But it's just for me, like I have a hard time thinking it's going to be as bad as 2022, just because of natural, like regression to the mean, right. Where this is just Mm -hmm. not normal for any player to have the type of season he had last year. You know, he's going to get a couple more touchdowns. He's going to at least get some touchdowns. You imagine he's going to have probably higher yards per, per catch or at least more effective when, when he has the ball. So it's, I think there's a path for him to stay on the roster next year, even at his price point he'll be at. But it's going to have to be him and Kenny lining up and really getting this thing figured out, even with Matt Cannon's offense holding the back. Yeah, you never want to be known 
excuse me, as the, the wide receiver who breaks the NFL record for having the most targets without recording a touchdown. Yeah. And so 127 targets. Zero touchdowns. Uh, yeah, I know. Uh, it's, it's, it's not ideal. And I agree with you, Shane. I, I, I don't see any way that it's as bad as it was now no, knowing hard. that his career hard. has been a roller coaster. You don't know what you're getting. And that's, that's the part that's scary. Cause I think if you look at the first 10 games of the 2021 season, Johnson was really good. Like in those first 10 games of 2021, there was a case to be made that maybe this guy is a borderline top 10 receiver. I don't, anybody trying to argue that right now, based on what Johnson did last year, I, I think you are, you are a stat chaser and you're looking at box score numbers and you're not actually assessing the film because it was really not good last year. And so it's got to get a lot better. Uh, it might come down to a situation, Shane, that even if, even if Johnson does have a similar season and the Steelers don't have an alternative option as that, that X guy, maybe they keep him around anyway. Yeah. Even they at could, his price point, could. I don't know. Yeah, so it's possible. It's just, everybody wants receivers all the time. You can never have enough good receivers. And there's never enough receivers that can get open routinely like Johnson does. And so that is a trait. He just has to be far more consistent. I do think this is a make or break season for him, however, yeah. because he we, we just saw him almost at an all-time low. And certainly in terms of efficiency, this was, this was a career low for him last year. He's got to take a significant step up uh, if he wants to be with this team in the future or future, even in the 2024 season. All right, let's move on to our next name on the list, Shane. That is Chakuma Akora for Steelers right tackle. Uh, his job security just got a little bit less in terms of his, his future role with the team. When the Steelers drafted Broderick Jones, obviously Broderick is, was drafted to play left tackle. And so Dan Moore is the guy who was hurt the most from this move potentially. Uh, but now it makes you wonder how secure his role is going to be beyond the 2023 season. And again, this is a contractual thing, Shane. If we look ahead, uh, a for is, is, uh, set to have a significant base salary next season. The Steelers could save $10 million by getting out of his contract in the 2024 offseason. They can cut him like that, save that money, and invest that back into a different player. That's a lot of money. So in order for him to be worth that, that difference in the savings, he's going to need a really good season. Obviously, that starts with him beating out Dan Moore Jr. for the, the right tackle job. He needs to show that that job is his. He's still a young guy. I mean, this guy came to the league 20 years old, so yeah. he's still a young guy even going uh, into this stage of his career on his second contract. Uh, how do you kind of see things playing out with him, and what would your prediction be at, uh, in terms of what type of season you think Corfor is going to have? So I think the thing with Corfor is I think even though he's still a younger player, he's reached a plateau of where he is a he's a starting caliber right tackle, but nothing more than that. Yeah. Right. And, and that even varies from week to week. Sometimes I think he has really good games. Occasionally we, we've seen him really do well against guys like Von Miller, even right in the past where he's been able to keep him in bay. But at the same time, you just don't see that that next level that he would need to reach. Right. And I think for him to stay on the team at his current price point next year, he'd have to play like a top 10 right tackle in the NFL. I just don't expect that to happen. One between all the new moving parts, like there's going to be some amount of, of figuring that out once the season starts. Mm -hmm. I don't think that's necessarily going to, have to help him necessarily right away. And then again, you have a guy you just drafted to play left tackle. That's, who's gonna, that's where he's going to play. Dan Moore could be a better right tackle than a left tackle. It's very possible with, with his skill set. If he doesn't play very well and Moore does get moved to the bench, it's very possible that Moore will go from the bench 
from left tackle to right tackle. And he already said he worked on it this offseason for a reason. I think he knows that's mm-hmm. just probably his best path to staying a starter with the Steelers is to move to the right side when a core for either leaves is cut, you know, whatever the situation is. So even this year, he has to really step it up, I think, if he wants to guarantee a spot for the full season. If he doesn't play like a top 10 right tackle, like I said, though, he's going to be off this team, whether it's because they you know, if they trade him to somebody, which I doubt is probably going to have to be more of a cut situation. He's just not going to be worth that price point anymore versus his cap savings if he isn't playing as a true above-average right tackle because you can always just throw Dan Moore and then he's probably going to be a similar level mm-hmm. player and for a lot less money. So you assume it's going to take a, a, a leap that he has not made for him to keep his job going into 2024. Yeah, and it's also worth noting, Shane, that Okorafor has a $4 million roster bonus due, and I don't think there's any way the Steelers are touching that if he doesn't take a step forward because of the amount of money they can save by getting out of that deal, and I think that's part of the reason why they structured it that way so that they would have an outs uh, going into 2024. Now, listen, like pro football focus or not, doesn't matter. He's never graded out in five years. He's never graded out better than the 60th best offensive tackle in the NFL. I'm not a math whiz, Shane, that puts but right I can, the end of I can do now. the, I can do the math in my head. Yeah. There's, there's, there's 32 teams. Every team starts two offensive tackles that puts a quarter four right At near the, the bottom. bottom. And so, starting. yeah, yes. And so we, we've seen him play well at times. He's gone through stretches where like he'd have a really good three or four game stretch, yes. but then he, he comes back down to earth and he's like, all right, this is, this is this guy. I think we know who we're getting at this point. He's going into his sixth NFL season. We know who we have now, and I don't think that even even though he was a young guy coming out, I don't think we're going to expect anything drastic. Now, I want to stress as well, like a core for Deontay. These are not busted picks. These are former yeah. third round picks. They they've grossly outplayed their draft statuses still because of all the, the the times they logged as starters for the Steelers and, and what they've offered this team already. So it's not like these are busted players. It's just no. how much potential or in how much uh, how much can you expect what I should say it from a former third round pick anyway, like typically when you, when you get somebody in the third round, if he ends up being a long-term starter at a position, then you struck gold. And I, I can't say the Steelers struck gold on a core for it. it was a solid pick and he's, he's served as an, in a stopgap role there. But I think that we could be looking at a, a very much looking at a situation where we're like going into the draft next year. It's like, we're looking at right tackles early in the draft, because I think that if he doesn't take that step forward, uh, it's very possible that he could be that weak link on the offensive line this year yeah. and, and the one that kind of holds them back a little bit. So I'm interested to see how that plays out. Definitely a make or break season for a core four for sure. And like I said, the money savings that the Steelers are looking at it contractually, it's just going to be really, really hard to justify keeping him beyond this season. If he doesn't take a step forward last year, he graded out as the 60th best tackle, uh, never under grade above 62.2 in his career. So take that for what it's worth. Again, I don't think he's a busted pick, just one of those guys where probably best as a swing tackle, probably best in yeah. the Chris Hubbard role if we're being really, really honest with ourselves right now. Um, so we'll see if he can come and prove us wrong this season. And actually, Shane, what's a little bit discouraging is I thought that Okorafor's worst play actually came in the second half of the season it when the, the rest yeah. of the line was starting to, to gel and play pretty well and the running game was getting better. I think that Okorafor was the guy that really wasn't improving with them. I think that he actually played better early on just just from the film that i've watched so um i'd be interested to see what hear what anybody else has to say about that but you're welcome to to go back and, and examine that as well all right let's move to the next player here and one that we've, uh, name that we've already talked about a little bit already and that's Najee harris um 
Shane, you know, I've been on as hard on Najee as anybody. And I don't mean to, it's just, it's not Najee. It's, it's the whole situation. It's, it's the, it's the philosophy behind drafting running backs early, but because the Steelers did take Najee so early that they took him with the 24th overall pick in, in 2021, you expect great things out of a running back when you take him in the first round. We need to start seeing those great things from Najee. I think the Steelers are, they've got to be getting to that point where I think that they, they would start to agree with me, Shane, that you've got to see not just the raw numbers, you know, not just the thousand yard seasons. You've got to see the efficiency come now. You're in year three. Omar Khan, Andy Weidel, these guys have done everything in their power to improve the offensive line, to improve the, the run blocking game in front of them. Now, what can we expect from Najee Harris? This is a big third year from him. And this was a guy who was already an older prospect with, with quite a bit of tread off the tires coming into the league. Now, what can we expect to see from him this year? So I think for me, the, the thing that's really tough with Najee is I, I will say the, the decision to draft him based on where the team was at was something that you have to question. And that's with any yeah. team. If you draft a running back in the first mm -hmm. round and your team is not set up to one, have them be a focal point or be able to be one if you want them to be and also be a team that is trying, well, they were trying to win, but is capable of winning, not just in the regular season, but into the playoffs. Right. I think most teams who do that, unless it's really just a gaping hole and the rest of the roster is young enough and talented enough where they're, they're looking for growth, even if they're not sure they're going to be great that year. It's just a really tough sell. However, I think given the circumstances, this is going to be his first true chance to show whether or not he was a first round player, right? We've seen flashes of it. Whenever he's been given good blocking, he does take good advantage of it. This offensive line is by far the most talented that he's played behind, but it is not even close, Right. This is where if, if yeah. he can put up the type of numbers that I do expect, I do think this is going to be a make season for him. I'll just say that if he can put up the type of numbers that I think he can put up behind this line, he can stay healthy and get the touches that he needs to get up into the upper echelon of production in the NFL. It's going to make it much more easy for team for the Steelers looking to go. This was the right decision, even though it happened a little bit later than we wanted to. Now this team is getting closer to that level where like an elite running back can be a big part of the team and be a really help a big help. So I'm expecting that from him. I do think that the arts per carry, especially, is going to go up significantly just because of more space he's going to have to work with. And I think we'll see a little bit more, maybe not the same explosiveness, but that you get from Warren, but more longer runs from him, just him barreling through defenses, right? Just getting up to up to speed and actually being able to run through defenders, run through defensive backs. Should be a lot more fun to watch him this year, if nothing else. But I do expect it to be a much better season for him. Yeah, I agree. I, I think that in terms of efficiency, he's going to take a, a notable step forward. I think the film's going to be better. He's he's fresh and healthy this year. The offensive line, again, is, is the best that he's seen. And it's not Najee's fault that the Steelers naively took a running back in the first round <laughs> when they no didn't have the offensive line. line. Yeah, yeah, you don't have the offensive line in place. And, and I was, it's like, tough, Shane, I, I got to go back. I was shocked by how many fans were convinced that the Steelers running game was automatically going to turn around when they didn't have an offensive line because they drafted a running back. It, it was backwards logic at the time, I believe. And I think that we saw that these past two years. Now the front office is doing things the right way. They brought in Isaac Siamalu, who is probably a top 10 or 12 guard in the NFL over the past several years. Yes. Broderick Jones could prove to be a significant upgrade in time over uh, Dan Moore. It's not guaranteed to happen right out of the gates. Do but we would like to see it happen right out of the gate. And so I think that at the very least, like the left side of that offensive line is looking much better. James Daniels should be better in his second season with the Steelers, still a really young guy. Um, so yeah, in terms of what Najee's going to get in front of him, that part's going to look better. 
so in in counterpoint, Najee needs to look better as well to go along with that. And so I think if he can take that significant step forward, he's going to be just fine. There's not going to be any debate, any worries here. He's still going to be the workhorse guy for the rest of his rookie contract and maybe even a tag or a fifth year uh, option after that depending on what you never know anymore, Shane, you don't know what these guys are willing to play for. Like some, sometimes yeah, running back say, position is so no, I'm gonna, to figure out. Yeah, yeah. Because they know how teams use and abuse them. And I, and I don't blame the teams for doing that because I think it's it, it, honestly, if from a business standpoint, I think it's, it's the right idea to yes. do that and redraft instead of paying these guys good money. But at, from the running back standpoint, I totally understand where they're coming from. If they want to hold out or if they want to say, no, I want my, my, I want some insurance. I want my guaranteed contract. I don't want to go in and run all these carries for you on my rookie deal and then go blow my ACL out or something before I get yeah. my next contract. So yeah. I 100% understand where they're coming from as well. Um, so at, at the very least, Shane, I don't think we're going to get into one of those situations where it's like, all right, we need to, we need to, it's not going to be a Leonard Fournette situation is what I'm trying I to say where imagine. it's yeah. like the Jaguars, like, all right, what do we do with this guy? Let's just let's ditch him. No, it's, it, it, that's not going to happen with Najee and especially knowing how steel, how, how loyal the Steelers are to their players anyway. But it does make me wonder, like if, if the offensive line notably improves, if, if Jalen Warren improves and Najee's somehow doesn't take that step forward with all those guys. Does he see a reduced role on the team? I don't know. Like, I, I think that's worst case scenario is yeah, something that. like that happens. But again, I don't think this is the most likely scenario. I think the most likely scenario is that Najee does take a step forward. He does have his most efficient and probably most productive uh, year of his career, assuming that he stays healthy. Um, and we're looking forward to, to see what that brings this year. And so, again, I can let... I can let bygones be got bygones. I, I don't hold anything against Najee at all. I just think the philosophy was wrong at the time. It, but now I just want the Steelers to perform well, and I and I, yes. I'm rooting for Najee. I really hope that I uh, really hope that he has a great season here. But this is a big year for him because it's going to kind of dictate how Steelers view him in the future. Yes. If they're going to even consider giving him the fifth year option, the second contract, all those things, and they've denied a lot of fifth year options in recent years, Shane, with with Artie Burns and, and yeah. uh, Jarvis Jones and, and, like and to avoid Devin that Bush. If they can. Yeah. So and, and so we're certainly hoping that that Najee is doesn't even doesn't even come into the conversation with with those guys uh fourth name on the list we got two more here for you before we close out today's show fourth name is mason cole I, this is another guy shane that there's a lot of varied opinions about him like this is so again for those like that don't like pro football focus you're not going to like what i have to say right here because pff has him 12th overall in terms of overall grade but also PFF just came out with a list of the top ranked centers and he was 22nd on the list. And so obviously different people in the same company, like you and I, Shane, we can have difference of opinions. Right. And so yeah. there's a different person writing the article as there, there are the ones that charting and giving the grades. But the, the idea where Mason Cole is in terms of uh, compared to other NFL starters at center, it's kind of all over the map. Like he's anywhere from like the, the 12th ish, 15th ish best player all the way down to like a guy that is a just a low level starter who needs to be replaced. So how do you view Mason Cole and what kind of season do you think he's going to have in his second year in Pittsburgh? So I think he, for me, he is a quintessential average starting caliber center, which means that he's mm -hmm. not going to cause you problems. He's probably not going to elevate your run game or your pass game as far as a blocker is concerned, but he isn't, you're not going to look at him and go, Oh man, Mason Cole was the reason why that play blew up more than a couple times a game or more than a couple times a year. Really? Like he is a sound, really quality football player. 
the problem with those guys is they don't excite you, right? So you probably are looking to replace them. And I think that realistically, if they would have drafted a center this year, it wouldn't have surprised us that much, just because, again, this is not a guy you think is going to suddenly become a top 10 center, like consensus-wise at mm-hmm. least, right? You know, I think he is in that mid-tier of centers most games. I think there's times where he kind of fluctuates. He's not this perfect player by any means. So for this, for the purposes of this year, I think he's going to be great to have because he's pretty sound. Like I said, he's going to be fundamentally good, going to work with these guys, going to be really good interior for this team. But next year, unless he does have like a really, truly great year, you're probably going to be able to replace him for with somebody who's either you know more talented or just has more potential, and that's okay. So I think for him, it's just about play up to your standard, play at least as well as you did last year. And even if it isn't with the Steelers, you will find work as a starter somewhere else. So he, he's kind of a weird one because it's not so much make or break. It's about does he play so well that the Steelers feel they need to keep him or does he just play at his level and just continue his career elsewhere? Yeah, it makes me it makes me wonder what the Steelers' opinion like. I'd like to be like a, a fly, fly on the, the wall, wall for him yeah. <laughs> when they're talking about him because Shane, it, it it's it's interesting how much Omar Khan and Andy Weidel have looked to revamp this offensive line, and I genuinely believe that a center was on the table like yes, early in, in the second so round this year. You look at the Steelers' visits. They brought in set, either true centers or center capable players like John Michael Schmitz was a true center. Steve Avila was a guy yep. I believe that they were looking at as a center. Cody mock could have been the same way. And so they used to, you don't use a whole slew of visits on these guys. If you don't think if you're not seriously consider taking a center to replace them, and it obviously wasn't going to be a guard because they've had their guard situation yeah. taken care of by then, unless you're willing to like flop James Daniels back. Right. To, which that's a whole other question. Center. Yeah. So again, that's, it's a lot of speculation there, but I really think that center was on the table and they were really looking to say, yeah, Mason Cole, let's bump you down to our backup. Let's get our future guy. And maybe they would have let that competition play out in camp, but as a second round pick, it's, it's, it's kind of likely. I think that, that that guy would have won the job at some point during his rookie season. If they, if they're viewing him that highly, uh, so it does make me wonder and Shane, I agree with you. I, I do think that, that he, I think that Mason Cole is a definition of a stopgap player. Like, I think that this is a guy that's, He's going to be like here for a two-year starter in Pittsburgh, and then he's either going to move on, the team's going to demote him, and uh, they're going to try to find that more permanent solution. Obviously, when they tried doing it the first time around, Marquise Pouncey retired in 2020. They drafted Kendrick Green in 2021. That did not work out so well, throwing him to the Wolves there as a rookie. Uh, it looks like Kendrick Green is back at center now. So even, even with Kendrick Green as the backup center, that position is looking a little bit shaky here. I yeah. think it's one of the, like the, the two or three most concerning positions on the team, because if Mason Cole were to get injured, then <laughs> you're already down in trouble. Then. In a perfect situation, Shane, I think that you would like to have that long-term guy in place. Yeah. And I think that Mason Cole would be an awesome backup. And as a starter though, I agree. He's just very mid-level. Uh, you're not getting anything spectacular. He's 27 years old now. You know who the guy is at this point. He's played both guard and uh, center in the past for the Cardinals, the Vikings. So I think that he's kind of just one of those guys that's destined to be that that journeyman type player, a little Matt Filer-ish type player, a guy that kind of just bounces around and is is a solid guy, but is probably always closer to the fourth or fifth best offensive lineman on your team than, than near the top. And I think that that's who he is at this point. Uh, in terms of the make or break season this year, this is big for him because if you can kind of defy the odds, if you will, and in your older age, and I say older age, I'm a lot older than he is, but uh, in, in, by football standards, you're halfway through your NFL career. If you can somehow take a, a step forward and 
become a really, really solid player this year, then perhaps you can convince the Steelers not to look at a center in the first three rounds of the draft next year. But it's going to take a lot. We've seen crazier things happen, like Alejandro Villanueva didn't start his first game until he was 27. And so yeah. uh, that's kind of like the rarest of rare situations yeah. there. It's a little bit different, um, yeah, but still. It, it, it's certainly different, but it, it's it's going to be one of those things, I think, for Cole. He's He can't just be average. He can't just be average if he wants to be the center beyond this season. He's going to have to be above average and possibly above that. And so, uh, cause I think that again, the front office is getting really serious about the offensive line these days. And I love it because the offensive line is so important. You look at the other top teams around the league. That's how you build. Uh, so if he's not going to step up with these other guys here and, and be on the same level as a James Daniels, a, and an Isaac Siamalu, or hopefully what Broderick Jones will be as well, then he's not going to be a long-term starter for the team, uh, beyond this season. Uh, let's look at one more here, Shane last name on the list. And I know that you're already going to have questions about this, but I put Kenny Pickett on here. I know that he's entering just his second season. I know that he showed a lot of promise down the stretch. He had the, the game winning drives four of them. Uh, in fact, last year in, in which tied Ben Roethlisberger surprisingly. So, uh, for a single season, I, I like the, uh, the potential of what, Pickett could bring this year. I like what I see in terms of the leadership, the moxie, the the ability to throw on the run, extend the play, all of that stuff. It's just that if you are going to, again, be near the very bottom of the league in, in yards per attempt, adjusted yards per attempt, I don't think that's a recipe for excess. The, the Steelers have to find a way to make him more efficient because your offense isn't going to get a lot better unless your quarterback takes a big jump. So I think for me, the make or break part of this season for him is not so much about his career. It's about can he show in an offense that clearly isn't designed to help manufacture big plays? Can he take the things that made him special in college, the mm -hmm. play extension, the run, the throw on the run, the ability to, like I said, just get on the move and make things happen? Can he show more of that in his in this season where, again, Matt Canna is not going to give him chances realistically to succeed the way that we all want him to succeed. That's just not how the offense is run. There's not going to be a lot of deep shots. There's not going to be a lot of you know moving him out and letting him throw down the field in those situations. It's a lot of short passes. It's a lot of get to third and three, third and two. Like That's what the offense's mm -hmm. goal has been. And unless that changes, this is going to fall on Kenny Pickett to make this offense explosive. I think that he can do it. And I think that the goal for me, if I was him, would be to, okay, I know I need to run the offense, but if it's third and eight, I'm looking for something down the field. If it's in those got to have the situations, I got to make the play because Matt Canada probably isn't making the play for me. He, I mean, that's it's something you don't want to think as a player, but I think even he probably realizes like this offense is not designed for my strengths necessarily. Like we're not getting the ball down the field. We're not creating big plays, extending things. He's got to take it upon himself to do that. And I think if he does that, that's how he can make the season a make it season where going into year three, if you get the right coordinator with him that can give him a more of a chance to do that naturally and not have to force it, that's when you might see a true, true breakout season from him, statistically at least. Yeah, and, and so, I mean, Kenny's job does not rely probably on what he does this year, but we've seen it, yeah. we've seen stranger things happen in the NFL, Shane, and we've seen teams now giving up on quarterbacks faster than they ever have. Like look yes. at Zach Wilson. Like how fast did he fall out of favor yeah. <laughs> in New York 
And yeah. so that was the number two overall pick. And they picked mm-hmm. him above some other quarter, highly touted quarterbacks that year yeah. too, like Justin Fields. And, and so the fact that Kenny Pickett was a first round pick, he's obviously your opportunity is going to be tied to your draft position. And so I really, really doubt the Steelers are going to be the team that only gives them two years when Jarvis Jones got four and Hardy Burns got four. So he's not, yeah. he, again, he's not going to be like that, but you do need to take him, see him take that step forward in his second season, especially in terms of an efficiency standpoint, even if he doesn't pass the ball much more per game, when he does pass the ball, he needs to be more efficient. He needs to be completing the ball at a higher rate. He needs to be getting higher uh, yard per attempt number. He needs to be a lot better in the red zone. And these are things that we would expect from a guy coming into his second season, who is now 25 years old, just had his birthday. So he's a little bit on the older side, obviously too, for a guy that's this early into his, his rookie contract still. Uh, but what would that success for you look like for Pickett this year? And what, how can he avoid that break season? How can we get the make and not the break in, in his second year? So I think the main thing is like, just looking at statistically, we talked about it before. I want to see seven and a half, at least yards mm-hmm. per attempt. Like, I think if you get to that number, it's it at least jump. means yeah. it is, it's a big jump. And that's, that's the number where if you hit that, you're like, okay, the passing offense is probably effective, right? When they're using it last year, just wasn't a lot of the time. And I think, unfortunately, this year we're going to see a similar style of play where like it seemed like last year they were trying to just run the football, run the football, play defense, get to the fourth quarter. And then like say, Kenny, go figure it out. Right. And it worked, but that's not sustainable football. You don't want to have to ask him to do that. You wanted him to be able to be a bigger part of why you have a lead in mm-hmm. the fourth quarter or why you have a chance to go win in the fourth quarter. So I hope that the yards per attempt can get closer to that just because, again, it means more efficiency from Deontay probably, hopefully more big plays from Pickens. All that is going to be a part of getting to that number, right? The other thing, the, the, the break it, what, what he can't do is he can't get stuck inside of the offense and just not think for himself to a certain degree. Because, again, we know that Canada is going to have him point and shoot and get the four or five, six mm-hmm. yard plays he has to not get stuck in that rut of like, oh, I got to just get the ball out. I just got to do this or that. He has to be the playmaker that he was drafted to be because everyone knows when he was drafted, like, yeah, he's the he's older prospect. He's pro ready, but he's a playmaker. That's what he did in college. Like, that's what he wants to do. If he can't get into that mode more in the second season, then I'm worried it may never come to fruition the way that he showed in college it might be able to. That's my number one concern is him mm-hmm. getting boxed into the offense too much. Yeah, and I think that we'll have a pretty good idea of that probably pretty early into his second early, season because you typically see that that quarterback jump. Like we've seen it a lot in the past, and those Justin Herbert and those guys like that, who again, admittedly, have more arm talent to work with, but that doesn't mean that Pickett can't be a franchise quarterback still. No, like I, I said, Shane, yeah. my high end comp for for Pickett from the beginning was a Tony Romo like player where you don't right. need to be the best athlete, but my goodness, you're, you're good. You got eyes in the back of your head. You can move around in space. You can make plays uh, it, by extending the play and you don't have to have the biggest arm. If you can be some, anything that resembles that, I think that's a huge win for the Steelers oh, yeah. getting that guy um, in with the 20th pick in the yeah, draft. The and so round. you, you can yeah. win with that guy. If you get a, a good for enough sure. team and, and defense around him, obviously. Um, so I'm interested to see, how that prog- progression is going to look this year. We obviously, we obviously, Shane, we cannot see him take a step back no, that in would any be way this year for a lot of it, reasons. It would yeah. be. Um, so so. Th- those numbers have to come up. The Obviously the Steelers need to score more than 18.1 points per game. It was That's up in the 24 ish range in the second half of the season with Pickett, but uh, albeit an easier schedule in the second half. And so uh, some things to consider there. And so I'd, I'd like to see, 
just the offensive numbers in general go up. And I'd like to see Matt Canada loosen those reins a little bit because let just, the guy yeah, work just a little bit. Yeah. Matt, like I know you don't watch, but if you, cause you probably, even if you did, you hate <laughs> us, but it just give the man a little bit of a chance. Like let, like let him be himself because mm-hmm. That's like, and I said, that's the thing that could break him is like, if you force him to just not be himself and just do whatever you tell him to do, it's just not going to work. It's just not modern offense does not work that way, especially with this offense. Like you got to let the quarterback play freely more. You got to spread it out a little bit more. Just also please target Pratt fire with like three more times a game. (laughs) If if you are listening, that's another thing, but we'll, we'll talk more about that type of stuff later. I, and that's, I mean, that's the thing with, with Kenny though, is I, I just think that, he has the potential to get there, to be yes. that guy. It's just Absolutely. loosen up. It, it, my philosophy, here, it, tell me if you agree or disagree with me, Shane, and then we'll, sure. we'll close up today's show. Sure. My philosophy at the quarterback position is now we're entering year two. This, this, he's, this guy's not a kid anymore. Let him make plays. Let him air the ball out. If he's bad, he's bad. Then we're going to know. Okay. And we'll, and we'll know that the Steelers will be like, yikes, maybe we, we do need to start our quarterback hunt all over again. And I don't think that's going to be the case, but I'd rather find out sooner rather than later. I don't want to get into a situation where you have Daniel Jones five years later and you're like, all right, is this guy a franchise guy? Is he not? Let's give him a second deal. Let's let's overpay for a a game managing quarterback. Let him make plays and show what he can do. And if he can't do that, uh, and and I know that the the philosophy of the Steelers is run the football, play good defense, try to win games. And so it works against, against that a little bit, Shane. But I need to figure out what the Steelers have in Kenny Pickett. And if you're not, I don't want to know four or five years down the line. I want to know by year, by the end of year two, I want to know. Yeah, I think the main thing there is you need to empower your quarterback. You need to make sure that they understand, like, you're the guy. We expect you to make plays. We know you can make plays. Now go do it. And if you give him that confidence, this is a guy that has shown from some of his first starts, from his first throws in college going back all the way up to the end of his season with Pittsburgh where he had the breakout season. This is a guy who, when you let him do that, you give him that opportunity, he's probably going to do it. Like, you have to find out, like you said, now as soon as possible. Because, again, I do I think it's going to matter too much what happens this year in terms of whether he'll be the starter in 2024? Probably not. They love him, and they should so far. I think he's shown everything that they want to see. Mm-hmm. But you're going to feel a lot better about him if you get to see that this year and know what, yes. know what you have to do. Like, do you have to bring in certain players with him? Do you Should you – go for it and just make the cap maybe really hell in a couple of years, but at least it'll be worth it in the short term. You have to know what your direction should be going into 2024 for sure. So. Yep. Absolutely. I agree with that. All right. Those are our make or break players for the Steelers uh, entering the 2023 season. If you, if you agree with us, if you disagree, let us know uh, in the comments here on, on YouTube. Uh, thank you for joining us today on the show. You can follow Shane on Twitter at Shane Kubis. You can follow me on Twitter at Tommy Jagai. You can download the Still Curtain podcast wherever you get your podcast. Also, check us out on YouTube or play us on Alexa. And thanks for listening to the Still Curtain podcast. Save big on brunch for mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.